0: From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Ruth chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. It will be on the the screen as well. Ruth chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 10, I believe. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech, her husband, "'I thought I should bring the matter to your attention "'and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here "'and in the presence of the elders of my people. "'If you will redeem it, do so. "'But if you will not, tell me, so I will know, "'for no one has the right to do it except you, "'and I am next in line.' "'I will redeem it,' he said. "'Then Boaz said, "'On the day you buy the land from Naomi, "'you will also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow.' In order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself, I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all of the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Milan. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Milan's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among the people or his hometown. Today you are witnesses. So we've been hanging out in... uh, in for four weeks now in the book of Ruth in a series called hope is here Uh, the book of Ruth is in the Old Testament right after the book of Judges and we we landed here in the book of Ruth because for whatever reason I just felt tugged towards it as we were sitting down and I was as I was sitting down and praying through uh, what we would what we would be looking at in the message calendar I just couldn't get away from the book of Ruth and I like going through books Personally, it's just a, a preference of mine. I like going through books because one, especially narratives, especially story ones, because I feel like as people, we engage with story really easily, and so we can often find ourselves getting, getting into the story. I also think it gives us a, a really good picture of what the whole book is, is like. So my hope is that if you've been here for the last four weeks and tracking along, you actually got a little bit of a picture of what the book of, of Ruth is like. Ruth is a, a story of hope from a hopeless situation. It's found in the time of judges when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Uh, We were driving the other day. I think it was just me and Eli. Maybe I was picking him up from school. But he says to me, he's like, I was watching a show the other day, Daddy, and it ended with to be combo" or something like that. And I remember saying to him, I thought, well, do you know what? That probably said to be continued. And then I explained what that meant, thinking that the conversation was over. He says, no, I don't think that's right. And so I said, no, it, 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 this is what it means. And I explained to him again. He's like, no, it should say to continue. That's, that's wrong. I, I think I'm right here. And I was like, I was like whatever, okay. But, it, but, it, but in his mind, his thinking was right. In his mind, his thinking was right. And that's the people in the time of Judges. They were doing what was right in their minds. They were doing what was right according to their own mind. God's people, the Israelites, had turned from the word of God, from the law, and now they're living how they felt. Judges chapter 21, verse 25 says, in those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. Now, it's really easy for us to point the finger at somebody else. Actually, these last three weeks up until today, I've said, doesn't that sound a little bit like where we're living right now? I've pointed the finger somewhere else. It's really easy to do so. But do you know what? As Christians, we can even find, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we can actually find ourselves um, living this way. That instead of living according to the word of God, it, it, instead of following and obeying what the scriptures declare and the principles taught in scriptures, we, we follow our own preferences. Look at somebody and say Preference. We make decisions based off of, of logic and reason and preference and desire and what we deem to be right as opposed to actually foregoing ourselves for what the Word of God says. I came across a, 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 it was on Instagram, for those of you who don't know what Instagram is, it's a social platform, and it was a picture of someone like a speaker of some, some sort, some sort of Christian speaker that says, anyone who tells you to deny yourself is, is unbiblical or against God. Do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, you must deny yourself if you're to come after me. Not Paul the apostle, not one of the disciples, right? Not some prophet in the Old Testament, not some preacher, not some Christian. Jesus said, if you want to be one of my followers, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. You must deny yourself. I've been trying to deny myself sugar lately, and it's been really hard because I like sugar. It's been, been really hard. Deny yourself, which means I want to do this, this is my preference, this is my desire, but it's not right. And so I'm going to deny myself and follow what the Word of God says, what is necessary, make the sacrifices to be more like Jesus. But the story of Ruth was happening in a time when people weren't denying themselves, they weren't living according to the word. They were living how they saw fit. And so one family found themselves in this very tragic situation of loss. If you're with us, you know. Of suffering stemming from one man's decision to leave God's country, the promised land. To, to, instead of turning to the law, finding hope in the law. Instead of holding out and waiting for God to, to allow this famine to end. He took matters into his own hands, did what was right in his mind, and he left the land to go to a different land where there were foreign gods. Well, he dies, and then his sons die, and now Naomi, his his wife, is left with nothing. And Ruth, his daughter-in-law, is left with nothing. Just the two of them in a hopeless situation. But then they happen upon hope. They stumble upon hope. Hope, they come across hope. Some of you stumbled upon Parkway Church and found some hope. Some of you did that this year, come on. Some of you maybe 10 years ago. Someone, someone invited you, so you were in a situation, you were in a dark place, maybe not. Maybe you're just living for yourself and some say, hey, you wanna to come to church on Sunday? Just an invitation. You know more people will come to church because of an invitation than anything else. Like we can have a, a nice little fancy sign out there, we can hand out door hangers, which we'll do again. We can post it on Instagram and Facebook. We can do all the promo. More people statistically will come to church because of an invitation. Somebody got an invitation. You got hope. They stumbled upon hope. Ruth and and Naomi stumbled upon hope. Ruth was going to glean in some fields to find some food. And she stumbles upon the, the field of Boaz, an older, wealthier man of character. Turns out he's a guardian or kinsman redeemer. He's one who has a responsibility or one of them who have a responsibility to actually help those in his family line um, when they're in place of need by either keeping the property in the family or, or helping by, by providing an heir to the family name. So he provides for them. He says to Ruth as they're gleaning, hey, keep getting, come back. If You're safe here. Come to my field. Glean as much as you want. When you're thirsty, get a drink. This is a safe place. This is here for you, Right? But then Naomi and Ruth, if you were here last week, they get a little hope now. They're in a hopeless situation, but but a little hope can do a lot in a desperate situation. And so they got a little bit of hope in their hearts, and Naomi's got a plan. So she makes this plan. Ruth takes this massive step of faith, and then they risk the provision that Boaz had just provided them by saying, come and just glean as much as you want. And Ruth proposes. Do you remember that? Do you remember how the proposal went? She shows up in the middle of the night. He's sleeping. She uncovers his feet and lays down at his feet, and we're like, whoa, this is weird to us, but this is actually a proposal in the middle of the night. Now, now Boaz, the amazing thing about Boaz is he's in. He's all for this, but he does it according to God's law. Now, here's where I, I want you to pay close attention, right? What Boaz is doing is he's offering hope to people that don't have hope. Right, even just by providing land for them to glean on. right, Just picking up scraps of food. He's offering hope to people that don't have hope. Without Boaz, they have no hope. Without a kinsman redeemer, they have no hope. They have no future. They're just done. But he's in this. He's in this. He's in this. And he does it not according to his preference. He does it not according to his desire. But he does it according to the word of God. He chooses purpose over preference, which when you think about it in this story of Ruth is contrary to how everybody else is living in that time, because everyone else is living how they saw fit, what was right according to their own mind. Boaz could have been like, yeah, I'm in this. Let's get hitched. Let's get married. Let's do this right now. I'm a kinsman redeemer. It's going to help you. Win-win. You know, nobody needs to know. There's another guy in line, but that's okay. We'll both come out ahead. Yeah. That's his preference. Amen. But he does it according to the law. Does it according to the law. I think we need more people like Boaz. I think we need more believers who are willing to risk living differently for the sake of the gospel. I think we need more Christians who are willing to follow the word of God, even when that means you've got to sacrifice. Oh, you're asking me to sacrifice. I think we need more believers who are ready and willing to fulfill the purposes of God over their own personal preferences. Because we live in a culture, for whatever reason, Christians have decided, I'll do what God wants me to do as long as it falls in line with what I want to do. Yeah, God, I am in within these boundaries. But that's not what the Word of God teaches. That's not what Jesus said. You want to come after me? you got to deny yourself. You want me to sacrifice? You want me to give up my time? I don't have a lot of time. And we reason in our own mind, right? We make logical conclusions. This isn't going to work for my life. It doesn't fit in with my, what I'm doing. We need more people like Boaz. See, you got preferences. You have preferences, but you also have a purpose. There is a reason that you were made. You are not an accident you are not just slime and time and chance come together in your mother's womb and then boom, you're here and then you're going to be gone. That's not truth. It doesn't even make logical sense to my mind. We can have a conversation about it if you want later on. You have a purpose. You were shaped. You were designed with a reason. Your, your personality, your natural abilities, your, your experiences are all there shaped by God for his purposes for your life. You have preferences, yes. You have desires, yes. You have your own will. You have the things that you want and, and in such a way. But you have a purpose. And sometimes to, to follow the purpose of God and be like a Boaz, you've got to forego your preference. I would say more often than not, not even in my notes, there's a story of a young, rich ruler. He's got everything, right? He's young, he's rich, and he's got authority. And he shows up to Jesus. And you don't know the story. A lot of you know this story. You've been in church. You know the story. shows up to Jesus like, Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to, to get to heaven? What do I got to do? Well, and Jesus, like, goes through the, the commandments, right? Just very simple. I'll do this, do that. And he's like, I've done all that. I go to church. I give. I, I'm on the ushering team. I'm on the kids' men team. I'm even on the worship team. I do all that stuff. You know, I cut the grass. I, I paint the walls. I move the chairs. You know, I'm, I even go and I volunteer to soup kitchen once in a while. I'm a, I do all that. And Jesus says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you own and give it all away. And the Bible says that the man went away sad because he had great wealth. He was not willing to follow the purpose that God had for his life, for his own preference. Yeah, I'll do all this, God, until you ask me to sacrifice the stuff that's for me. And you notice, I always think about this. you notice Jesus didn't chase after him? Well, it's okay. You're still serving. We need you. Oh, you're still helping out. You still give, yeah, you follow the lot. great. Jesus just kept going. And then he says to his disciples, he says, it's hard for rich people to follow Jesus because they have so much. Do you know, want to know something? You may, you may be here today and you're like, well, I'm not rich. If you live in this country, you're among the richest people in the world. 800 million people without access to clean food, to healthy food, to live a healthy lifestyle. Kids, malnourished, are suffering 160 days a year. You are rich. What are you willing to forego? What are you willing to deny for the purpose God has for you? You have a purpose, but you also got preferences. We miss out on the blessing and the favor and the impact and the legacy lived and all that God has for us when we choose preference over purpose, when we choose immediate gratification and ease over sacrifice and obedience. But Boaz chooses purpose. Over preference. Now, the purpose is to redeem Naomi and Ruth, right? The purpose is to, to, to help them out of this situation. But there was someone else who was a closer relative that had first dibs. There's someone else who, who had, had the first chance to buy back Naomi's property and acquire Ruth and redeem them. Boaz is in, but he wants to make sure that this someone else who has the right to go first has a say. That's according to the Word of God. He wants Ruth... He likes Ruth. She's a nice little girl. He loves Ruth. He can imagine a life with Ruth. But he says, let's make sure this is done right. Let's not cut corners. So Boaz heads down to the town gate. The gate was a significant place in in small towns or cities. It's it's often where where people would come and and court could happen at the gate. You know, it was a very public area, high traffic area. Um, Often people would debate issues of the day at the gate. Um, Criminal and civil court would take place among the elders at the gate. People would conduct business at the gate. So he heads down to the gate because he wants to find this other kinsman redeemer. He gets the other kinsman redeemer, gets the, gets the elders involved, and then he fills them in on what's happening. But he's sly. He's a sly dog, Boaz. You want to know why? Because he keeps Ruth out of the equation at the beginning. He's crafty. <laughs> See, on the surface, this, this seems like a really good deal to someone that's a kinsman redeemer. See, Jewish land um, laws in the, in the scriptures said that uh, family land could only be sold for so long. It couldn't be sold forever. So if, for instance, if, 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 a, if a generation dies off, the next generation up has the opportunity to buy back the land or inherit the land back in the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was every 50 years, it was the year of freedom. All all the slaves were set free, all the land was given back, and so property didn't really stay sold forever. But this seems like a pretty good deal because Naomi doesn't have any, any descendants, right? She has no heirs. And so for someone acquiring this, he can be like, yeah, okay, I can buy the land, and then when she dies off, there's no heirs to buy it back, I don't have to give it back, my property increases, So to this kinsman redeemer, this this garden redeemer that's just been presented with this offer from Boaz, he's like, yeah, win-win, I get property, I get property. This fits me, this benefits me. I win in this situation, but there's a catch. You also get Ruth, the foreigner, to be your wife and you're responsible to carry on the family name, so you got to provide her with an heir. you got to raise a child. Oh. It's like the fine print in an agreement, right? You know when some things are too good to be true? You ever been there? Like, my, like, my skeptic alarm just goes off when something's too good to be true. I'm like, nah, I don't even buy it. Even if it is good, too good to be true, like, this is just good. This is a good deal. There's no catches whatsoever. I'm just like, I can't do it. There's something. There's a fine print I'm not reading somewhere. This is the fine print. There's, there's a wife involved, and so, so he's willing... He's willing to do this for his own preference. He's willing to do this when it benefits himself, but the moment there's a wife involved, the moment there's a child involved, he says, no, I'm not willing to do this. Listen, this is not a good deal for anyone who's in it for themselves. Boaz doesn't come out ahead. Boaz's land doesn't increase because the land belongs to the heirs. That The child that Boaz later has with Ruth doesn't even carry on his name. He doesn't, he doesn't win in this, but Boaz, on the other hand, is willing to pay the price. Boaz is willing to make the sacrifice. He's willing to choose purpose over his preference. So Boaz and the, and the Redeemer at the gate, they seal the deal with this Hebrew flip-flop exchange, right? <laughs> take off their flip-flops. Here you go. You don't need a handshake or a signature. You need a flip-flop. That's what we should do these days, right? <laughs> Somebody goes, just shake your hand. Where's your flip-flop, dude? Give me your flip-flop. That's when a deal is real. When you're willing to sacrifice your Jordans or something, give me your shoes. That's when I know you're in this. So they, so they, so they make this deal, and now it's, now it's Boaz's show. He's all in, right? And he buys all, and he restores all, and he does it for the purpose of keeping the name of the dead alive. He does it for the purpose so that the name of the dead will not be cut off. Ru- uh, Naomi and Ruth will not die off, die off but they will live on. And he does this publicly. He does this publicly before witnesses, shamelessly identifying himself with the foreigner Ruth. Remember, she was a foreigner. And the tragic Naomi. Why? Because he loves her. Because he loves her. I'm willing to choose purpose because of love. I'm willing to choose purpose because of love. Now, if this doesn't scream Jesus to you, let me tell you, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Boaz is like Jesus. Jesus, like Boaz, came and lived according to the scriptures. He fulfilled the law. What we couldn't do, he did everything according to the rule book. Jesus, like Boaz, was willing to pay any price because of his love for you. Didn't matter what it cost him. You were worth it, even if it meant his death. Jesus, like Boaz, before witnesses publicly paid the price to redeem us, even if it meant his humiliation, even if it meant that people looked at Jesus or people looked at Boaz and scoffed. Jesus, like Boaz, paid the price so that those dead in sin, us, eternally hopeless, hell-bound, yes, I said hell in church, hellbound, will not die but live. Jesus, like Boaz, was our only hope Because without Jesus, we would have been lost, we would have been broken, we would have been in sin, we would have been eternally hopeless. No one else was willing, no one else is stepping up, no one else could step up. Jesus, like Boaz, who stood before the elders, Jesus stands before God as our high priest saying, I paid the price, their sins are covered, it's done deal. He's constantly handing a flip-flop to God. (laughs) It's a done deal. It's not actually handing a flip-flop. Maybe it is I don't know. Do they wear flip-flops in heaven? You're like, what? Sorry, I'm just, I'm getting excited. Jesus, like Boaz, listen to this. Like Boaz did, he identifies with you. He identifies with you and makes you a co-heir with him. I identify with you. I'm taking your sin to the cross. I'm taking it and you're going to get what I got. Come on, people. Without Jesus, we have no hope. Hope is here, and it's Jesus. When you look at stories throughout the, throughout the Old Testament, you got to look through the lens of Jesus. I was talking with someone a few weeks ago, and they say, they're saying how some people say to stay away from the Old Testament. Don't. Just look through it through the lens of Jesus, because everything in the Old Testament speaks of Jesus. Everything. Jesus was walking along the road after he had, he had resurrected from the dead. He was dead and now he's alive, which is crazy, right? That's why we believe in him. That's why we have hope in him, because he's alive, church. We should get excited about that. Jesus is walking along the road with a couple of disciples, and it says that he explains everything in the Old Testament. All the things in the scriptures with the law and the prophets concerning himself. Can you imagine that conversation? Hey, you know that story of Boaz and Ruth? You're Ruth, I'm Boaz. Hey, you know that story of David and Goliath? Yeah, you're not David. I'm David. I stand before your giants. You cower and feel like the army. Can you imagine that conversation? It's said that the the greatest ambition of any violinist is to to play a Stradivarius. Stradivarius is a meticulously handcrafted violin by Antonio Stradivari, which is incredibly rare. It produces unrivaled sounds and is literally worth millions of dollars. Like I was like googling this stuff. These things, one violin. I don't get it. It could be worth $4 million. I could, use a, I, could, I could use one of those violins, right? It said, it said that, that, that for any violinist, this is, like, this is like the thing. If I could ever play a Stradivarius, oh, wow. And so the story goes of Peter Cropper in 1981, a, a acclaimed British violinist. London's Royal Academy of Music offered him a 258-year-old Stradivarius to play for a number of concerts that he was going to be playing at. And he's just excited, right? Can you imagine a violinist? You're You're like, I can't imagine because I'm not a violinist and I don't think a piece like that is worth millions of dollars. But to him, this is amazing. But then tragedy happens. He steps out on the concert stage. He trips, falls on the violin, and snaps its neck. Millions of dollars. The unimaginable. Imagine how he felt at that moment. A priceless, handcrafted, masterpiece is masterpiece is destroyed so he took the violin to a master craftsman in vain hope that the master craftsman would be able to repair it and repair it he did so perfect was the repair that the break was undetectable and the sound was said to be still exquisite the academy london royal academy was so thankful that they allowed him to continue to play this violin for the concert series so night after night, as Peter drew his bow across the violin, he was reminded that once he, what he once thought was irreparable was put back together perfectly by a master craftsman. Do you know, church, that in Jesus, if your hope is in him, and you're walking in relationship with him, you've been fully restored by the master craftsman? You've been redeemed. In Jesus, you've been taken from hopelessness to hope, from brokenness to blessedness. This is the story of Ruth, but it's our story. Jesus, like Boaz, offers hope in hopelessness, saying it's not always going to be this way. You know, sometimes we're still living in the middle of the story. You're looking at your situation, and you have yet to be, feel like you've been redeemed. You have yet to see the hope out of it. You're in the middle of the story. God says the victory is yours. You know, sometimes we've got to look at the enemy, and we just got to remind him that he's lost. Uh, nice try. The victory is God's. The victory is already there. One day, even though you may find yourself in difficulty, one day you will not if you have Jesus, because you are a co-heir with Christ to eternal life. Because the cross. So a marriage take place, takes place. Roaz Roaz. Ruth and Boaz get hitched. You didn't catch it at first. Just seeing if you're awake. Some of you passed. Roa Roaz, I'm doing it again. Ruth and Boaz get hitched. Now listen, he doesn't just re- he doesn't just redeem them. A relationship is established. He doesn't just redeem them. A relationship is established. Unity under God is created. Listen, no intimate, loving relationship is biblically blessed beyond the monogamous marriage between one man and one woman. I went there because that is biblical. It's a reflection of of Jesus and the church. And so so Boaz doesn't just redeem them. He doesn't just buy back the property and say, "You're, you're taken care of. Everything's good. A relationship is established. That is the gospel. Because it's not just about the forgiveness of sins. It's not just about, yeah, you're good. Cross. Yeah, it's gone. Go live your life. It's about a relationship that is established between you and God. It's about a relationship that is is created, a unity that is formed. Can I just ask you, do you know Jesus personally? Because one day, the Bible says that he's going to separate those who are part of his family from those who are not, and he's going to say that to those that are not away from me, "I never knew you." I never knew you." It's about relationship, Church. Boaz and Ruth, it's about relationship. A relationship is established, a redeemed. Jesus wants us to walk in hope, and in hope we can walk, but it's in the form of a personal relationship. Do you have that relationship? See, that's why we say hope, I said this at the beginning of the series, isn't just the feeling. It's not just the state of mind. Because sometimes when you're in a hopeless situation, it's hard to find that hope, the feeling. That, That Naomi and Ruth had once Boaz allowed them to glean the field, it's hard to find that. That's why it's found in a person, in the relationship. Because when you're not hopeful, you can look to the relationship and see the hope. I see the hope. So they're married They have a boy, they name him Obed, which is a cool name. What does Obed represent to Naomi and Ruth? Nice little baby that they get to take care of and raise and carry on the family name. Everybody loves babies. Some of us love babies. Some of us are like, I don't want a baby near me. (laughs) It's legacy restored. Legacy restored. What was once lost is now found. What is once gone is now returned. What was once dire, tragic, full of suffering, helplessness, hopelessness is now hopeful, is now whole. See, Obed becomes the father of a guy named Jesse. Jesse becomes the father of a guy named David. And just so you know, David was the one that faced off against the giant Goliath. David was once the one who became a king who, even though was sinful, was known after a man, as a man after God's own heart. Jesus comes from the line of David. So so God takes a hopeless situation and He uses it to usher in the Messiah. Wow. Wow. Do you know what this tells me? This tells me that God can take your suffering, He can take your hardship, He can take your difficulty, He can take what you're going through, He can take your uncertainty. He can take what, you're, what you've lost, he you can take your brokenness, and he can turn it and use it for your good and for his glory. That's why Paul says I read this at the beginning of the series, Romans chapter 5. He says, We glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. If we put our hope in Jesus, like Ruth did with Boaz. I'm going to invite you to stand. I want you to bow your heads as you're standing. I want to pray for a few people today. I've got a few different prayers we're going to do today. Just bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody looking around. I want to pray for somebody today who wants to put their hope in Jesus. I want to pray for somebody who recognizes today that they need a Savior like Jesus, someone who needs that personal relationship. So if you've never put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you ne- never really entered into that personal relationship and you would like the forgiveness of sins. You would like that hope. If that's you today with nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand Be like I'm there today. I just want to give you opportunity to have faith in Jesus. Thank you. And put your hands down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask too, I want to pray for somebody who wants to restore a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've, you've you, you had Jesus in your life. You've been walking with Jesus, but, but you need to renew that commitment. You need to rededicate your life. If that's you today, you're like, I'm, I'm there too. Could you just raise your hand? Nobody look around. You're just like, I need, I need to restore the relationship. I need to get back on track. Thank you. We're gonna all pray together. I got one more prayer after this, but we're all gonna pray together. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for the hope that you offer. I give you my life, forgive my sin, bring hope to my heart, change me, in Jesus' name. I choose you over preference, in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that was you today, if, that, if you made the first decision to follow Jesus or you recommitted your life, could you just grab that card after from the chair in front of you, the welcome home card, just let us know. You can even just leave it on your chair because we want to continue praying with you. But I want to pray for somebody today. I want to pray for, for some people. Maybe we've been walking with Jesus. We have that relationship. We have that hope. But we've been choosing purpose over preference we've been choosing purpose over or we've been choosing preference over purpose and we need help with the purpose. We've been choosing our own desires and our own and our own will and we've been living according to our own mind what is right in our own mind we're like do you know what i could use some help i could use some strength i could use some clarity if that's you could you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father God, you see every hand that was raised today. Lord, you know every heart You know those, God, who committed their life to you today. Lord, you know those who recommitted their life to you today. Lord, I know that you restore relationship. You bring us back in unity with you. Thank you for the hope you offer. And Lord, I know that you call us to a higher purpose. I know that as we live for you, we're called to to, to live for you and not for ourselves. And so you've seen, God, us this morning... Who, God, for whatever reason, we've been choosing preference over purpose, but yet something's tugged our heart this morning. Holy Spirit, you've spoken to us. I pray that you would help us choose purpose over preference. Lord, that you would give us the strength. You would give us the vision. You would give us the passion. Lord, you would give us the, the, the boldness, the courage to make the sacrifices necessary to deny ourselves in order to follow your purposes. Lord, this is difficult. As we've talked about, we talked about in, in pre-service prayer, we talked about in, in, in our in our rally a little bit, Lord, that, that comfort is provided when we're in uncomfortable situations. So I pray that as we make sacrifices, as we deny ourselves, Lord, that you would provide us with a comfort to know that we're on track. And God, when we veer off track, when we begin to slip and choose preference over purpose... I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would convict us and you'd remind us that we were not bought with a big price so that we could live for ourselves, God, but we are called to live for you and your purposes in the name of Jesus. God, we give you glory. We give you glory because, God, as we're called to live for that higher purpose, Lord, as we're called to live for your purposes not for ourselves, God, we are co-heirs with you. We are co-heirs and we have access to eternal life. We are no longer gripped by slavery to sin, but we've been set free. So help us to live in our freedom for you in Jesus' name. God, we love you. God, we bless you. Thank you for the story of Ruth. More importantly, thank you for your faithfulness and the sacrifices you make and your love for us to redeem us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Listen, really easy statement, harder to live. When you walk out these doors today, and when you go to work tomorrow, and you interact with your family later on over dinner, choose purpose over preference. Choose to be like Jesus. It's, it's, it's a choice that's not based on how you feel. Because if, if it was based on how you feel, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't. And we're all probably going to fall short. Me too. We're all going to, at some point, choose preference. We just need to remind ourselves, I need to choose purpose. I need to choose to go against what I feel right now. Choose purpose over preference. Amen? God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church